This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're happy. Life is good. And we can make it a little better. We're IC Savings, an Ontario credit union. And with us, you'll save more. Introducing Perfetto, our new combined savings checking account that offers a great daily interest rate of 1.75% and unlimited transactions. Plus, it comes with a line of credit. Perfetto, the only account you'll ever need. Now that's perfect banking. Visit icsavings.ca for more. AM 740 weather, cloudy, 40% chance of drizzle this morning, early afternoon, and then some showers, high 12, showers to end after midnight, a low of minus 2. For tomorrow and Tuesday, mix of sun and cloud with highs both days of 1. Right now it's 9 or 49 Fahrenheit. I'm Bob Comsick. News next at 10 on the new AM 740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 radio. I'm Walter Rigabon, I'm your host, and with me as usual this morning, my co-host Naz Marchese. How are you, Naz? I'm real good this morning. How are you, Wally? I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for asking. Listen, it's Great Cup Sunday. and oh, yeah. uh, um, big game this afternoon, 6 o'clock out, out west, uh, Hamilton Ticats, Calgary Stampeders. I'm uh, thankful I got that right. I can't say that I've been watching too much CFL this um, this season. Uh, will you be tuning in this afternoon, Ness? I will be. I will be tuning in. I'm not sure I'll be watching the whole game, but I'll be tuning in for sure. Certainly, we've got a we've got a huge game in the NFL this afternoon. The uh, the Patriots and the Packers, so that may overlap a bit. But uh, uh, seriously speaking, Great Cup Sunday's always been an important Sunday in in Canada uh, in in the past. Uh, may not be as big um, an event as it used to be in the in the Toronto area or, or, or certain parts of southern Ontario. It's still, I'm sure, a big event in some other cities like Saskatchewan and Calgary and Edmonton and some of the western cities seems to have a more loyal following than Toronto. But uh, Grey Cup Sunday certainly brings back a lot of fantastic memories from, uh, from uh, when we were growing up, certainly the... Great Cups of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s are, are forever etched in, in my mind in, uh, in, the, in what I call the glory years of the CFL. And has any particular Great Cups uh, come to mind for you? The one that was the most hurtful was 1971 when oh. Leon McQuay fumbled at the uh, four-yard line uh, on the bad footing and we, the Argos lost the Great Cup. I mean, our family watched, we used to watch that it's the CFL, the Great Cup, like every all the time. We used to co- watch all the Argo games. Stay up. I used to stay up late at night and listen to the games on uh, on radio with John Badham. You remember him? 
sure do. Yeah, and uh, it was exciting times back then. It was exciting times back then. I just do want to mention to our listeners, we've got two fantastic guests coming up today that we'll be talking to. Uh, shortly after our first break, we'll have Neil Lumsden uh, um, talking about the CFL and uh, and his days in uh, college football. And uh, he was certainly uh, a big name from the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, still, uh, still doing some coaching in the uh, Canadian University ranks with the University of Guelph. And in the middle of the hour, Leaf Legend, I'm certainly looking forward to this one, Naz, Daryl Sittler, um, that's uh, one of the most beloved uh, athletes in, in Toronto uh, sports history. Uh, no question about that. So we're certainly looking forward to talking to him. Daryl Sittler will be with us about the middle of the hour. And, of course, we'll be taking your calls at the end of the hour. Uh, so we'll be giving that number out as well. Uh, get, getting back to Grey Cup Sunday, Naz, uh, the Grey Cup used to be, and I'm not sure if it still is, um, used to be a symbol of national unity. Uh, it was a day that Canadians used to look forward to. It used, sort of it was a day that all Canadians used to be doing the same thing. We were all watching the Grey Cup. Grey so, Cup parties. and Grey uh, Cup parties uh, and yeah. all those things, and I'm sure a lot of them still exist. My personal favorite Grey Cup, 1968. I'm sure you remember this one, Naz. Uh, Russ Jackson? It was Russ Jackson. Yeah, of course. It Who was, else would it be? It was the Ottawa Rough Riders and the Calgary Stampeders at Exhibition Stadium. And uh, I was a big Rough Rider fan in the 60s. Uh, my favorite player was Whit Tucker. It was the, a play, uh, uh, used to play flanker. I don't know if they still call it flanker in today's CFL, but uh, in, in those days they used to call it flanker. And I remember that game down, down at Exhibition Stadium and... There were two fantastic plays in that game. One where Vic Washington, remember Vic, Vic Washington? Washington and then he went to Cleveland, yeah. Ended up going to the NFL. Vic Washington uh, uh, was, was given a handoff by Russ Jackson. He dropped the ball, and the ball bounced back up into his hands. Of course, in those days, they used to call it the Argo bounce, but it happened to a rough rider. I never knew. I never <laughs> understood the Argo bounce. The Argo bounce used to bounce, but it used to bounce in the other team's favor. So why do they call it the it Argo the bounce? Argo it was bounce. pretty bad. Is there still an Argo bounce? I'm not sure. Oh, but wow. uh, Vic Washington dropped that ball, picked it up, and ran 73 yards for a touchdown or, or something like that. And later on in the game, Russ Jackson peeled back. And threw a bomb to Mar- remember Margene Atkins. Margene Atkins. Oh, Margene Atkins and uh, Ottawa ended up winning that Grey Cup, beat a fantastic uh, Calgary Stampeder team, and uh, was was a great game. And uh, I don't know if you remember the Grey Cup from the year after that, Naz, the Ronnie Stewart Grey Ronnie Cup. Ronnie Stewart, the little running back for Ottawa. Yeah, you know it was funny because Russ Jackson was the last Canadian that really uh, was a ma- an impact quarterback in the CFL. Uh, I wonder if that ever is going to happen again where a uh, Canadian is going to be uh, a quarterback in the CFL. Well, That's a question for Neil, I guess. But. Yeah, we can, we can ask Neil Lumsden that. It's, um, I mean, there were a couple of opportunities, but it just, it just seems that the quarterback skill position has gone to Americans uh, for, for the longest time. But, uh, you know, the Canadians still form an integral part of the, uh, of the CFL, and we've got that kid out in Calgary that uh, I just found out about John Cornish. It was last year he won the Lou Marsh yeah. Day, Wally. Uh, I'll be yeah. embarrassed to say I wasn't aware of that, but, yeah. uh, I, you know, if I'm watching the game today, I'll be certainly watching, uh, watching John Cornish because I understand he's a fantastic football player. So I was certainly looking forward to seeing him. I think the CFL, like the, C- the Grey Cup back then, was like the Super Bowl is now for Canada. 
That's how it was. That's how uh, uh, much of an impact it was across the country. And it, and it isn't now, I don't think. Well, it may not be in the Toronto area. And I certainly want to ask Neil Lumsden that question. We, we tend to live in a cocoon in the Toronto area. We don't think sometimes Torontonians don't think that there's a Canada outside of Toronto, but there certainly is. And the CFL is certainly popular in certain communities, maybe not as popular in Toronto as it used to be. But we'll certainly ask Neil Lumsden that. Anyways, we're going to break, and we'll be right back uh, talking CFL football and college football with Neil Lumsden. It was a rainy day when Peterville asked, how much loyalty is there in the world anymore? Well, about 14 inches, we figure. Introducing Peterville's new loyalty programme. After your sixth order, you'll receive a large 14-inch pizza of your choice free with your seventh order. You scratch our back, we feed your face. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. That's pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We have on the line with us Neil Lumsden, a member of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, a local high school football legend in the Toronto area at Northern. Of course, we remember him with the Ottawa GGs and that infamous 1975 season and, of course, a distinguished career in the CFL with the Argos, the Ticats, and that great Edmonton Eskimo team of the early 1980s. Good morning, Neil, and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Great Cup Sunday in Canada, and uh, uh, the Ticats are in it, and uh, 
1999, you were the general manager of the Hamilton Ticats when they, when they won the Grey Cup. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you were involved in quite a few Grey Cups. What did, uh, did Grey Cup Sunday mean to you? Well, it's funny you mentioned 1999, and I mean, it, it, it's very similar or reminiscent, maybe is a better word, that, you know, the Tiger Cats of today, where they were there last year, lost to Saskatchewan. We were there in 98, uh, and I believe it was in Winnipeg, and we lost to Calgary, a game we, uh, that came down to a last-second field goal. And uh, the next year, I, I know from a player's perspective, because I know a lot of them pretty well, that there was a commitment there that uh, it wasn't going to happen again and wasn't going to end the way it did in 98, and it's very similar to... Um, the way we used to think as a player, I, we did, and, and as a group in, in Edmonton, that it's tough to win one. It's uh, it's tough to get there. As, as surprising as that may sound, given it's a league of uh, not like thirty some odd teams like the NFL, but uh, uh, many many players and many teams have uh, had that chance and never really taken advantage of it. So when you get there, it really really becomes um, that much more important to uh, focus in on what has to be done. Uh, prepare for the uh, the ultimate opportunity, and then take advantage of it. And you know, and in my case, I've been very fortunate; it's worked out every time. Neil, what was the best Great Cup uh, victory for you guys? For you personally? Oh gosh, they were all very. Di- I mean, <laughs> and some people would say, uh, you know, uh, jokingly that you know I've had four wives and uh, I've loved them all, but for all different reasons. The uh, now I haven't. I'm just using that. <laughs> you know, little. Uh, comedy stick there, but um, in many ways the first, uh, but I think the, probably the most satisfying was, uh, I think it was 81, where we played in Montreal. We were heavy favorites against uh, an Ottawa team, which interestingly enough, again, is somewhat reminiscent to what's going on in Hamilton here this year. Uh, Hamilton wasn't very good at the start of the year. They played very well in the second half. They got Zach Claros back. Um, they've never really exploded as a team, but they've been very workmanlike and very strong on defense and have made great plays in their special teams coming down the, the stretch with Banks, especially in the playoff game, good Lord, last week um, or a couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, we were down against the team that was, I think, 500, the Ottawa Rough Riders, and we were up, we were favored by some odd 18 to 20 points, and it was 20 to 1 and a half. So to come back and win that game in Montreal and beat Ottawa was probably um, uh, the memory that sticks. Or is, I mean, they're all indelibly burned in my in this piece of wood I have as a head. But I think that one there, for so many different reasons, um, and people thinking that well, when was the streak going to end? When was this team not going to be able to fulfill what they said that they could do uh, on a consistent basis? And we did, and uh, I think... The most satisfying was 1981. Neil, um, I do want to come back talking about the CFL and the Great Cup, but I have to. I just want to take you to a slightly different, uh, different area because you're in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, but uh, you're just as equally in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame because of your uh, your, your records and your achievements in, in Canadian college football, and you're still involved I, with the with the University of Guelph as an assistant coach. Correct. Um, Canadian, I actually did watch the Vanier Cup yesterday. It was an exciting game, and uh, the poor McMaster Marauders having having to lose a game in those circumstances. But uh, you had you had a fantastic career in the CIS, and tell us a little bit about your recollections of of that great 1975 season where uh, you ended up uh, winning the 
winning the Vanier Cup. I believe you beat the University of Calgary. If Naz and I were racking our brains this morning, we no, actually, you're right. It we, was Calgary at, at CNE Stadium. Yeah, I told I, 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 Naz and I were trying to figure out whether it was varsity or CNE. CNE. It was CNE, wasn't it? It was CNE, and, and and I remembered for a lot of different reasons, and and the main one is it was cold and that and playing on that the old style artificial surface was like playing in the parking lot, and I had a hit pointer at the time, and it was just it was one of those days that you uh, at the end you were glad it was over for a lot of reasons, and one of them was because uh, <laughs> my hip was killing. <laughs> Well, Naz and I are dating ourselves, but we were we were we were actually at that okay. game watching that game. So uh, well, you were very young, though, weren't you? Yeah, yeah we were. Very, we were like very. about two years old, I think. And yeah, uh, I was in university when I was twelve. Yeah, we we ended up uh, we ended up at a few college bowls in the mid uh, in the mid nineteen seventies. Remember a couple of classic Western Acadia college bowls. Oh, yeah. Actually, Naz and I were saying we we probably remember because we read about it in the paper the next day. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure we actually have it. We actually actually saw much of the game, to be quite honest with you. But we were we were young young university students having a good time. So uh, I cer- know all about that. We certainly have uh, incredibly fond memories of the uh, of college football from the 1970s, and of course of some fantastic great cups. And uh, Neil, we we want to ask you quite uh, quite frankly: uh, Is the great cup today uh, what it used to be when uh, when we were growing up? Gosh, uh, you know, in many ways, I think it's better. I think that, you know, I think so, the game's awareness is heightened. The intensity um, is is much greater. Is it? You know, I I often get asked the question of the the quality of play. Even even you know, you re, you reference the University of Ottawa GGS and and uh, and that I coach at Guelph now, and I look at our our talent level that year in 1975 and. Um, I mean, we had from that team, and then the year following, uh, which were still guys that had won the Vanier Cup in '75. We had 21 guys going to the CFL, and that is an unprecedented number. And I look now at the quality of the player, and I think back that you know the guys like Jeff Averys and Miles Garrels and, and, and Billy Harrison's and Tim Berryman's and Rocky DiPietro's, and I mean. Those players are out there now, and some of them are, are those like players are at the University of Guelph, and some of them are at Mac and and Western and so on. So, and then I I'll bring it up to the quality. Now we're get to the pro level, and it becomes harder and harder to to make a, a professional team now because the standards are a little bit higher, and you know I think the quality of play is a little bit higher. But from the game itself, I think that is higher as well as from. Uh, the awareness, the, the television numbers. It's a different Grey Cup now, but I think it, it may be the one championship, and I think you will, if you, whoever you talk to that have play, that's played the game, been to games as a fan and as a player, uh, see this as really a celebration of football in this country by the diversity of the fans. I was in Saskatchewan, or I was in Regina last year for the Grey Cup, and uh, they were announcing the, the Hall of Fame class, and I went downtown and walked through the tents and just had a great time. I mean, I really have had that chance uh, to do those sorts of things because I've either been involved in television or I was playing the game or general manager or whatever the heck it was. And just the number of fans from across the country that no matter where the game is played, find their way, put it on the calendar the following year. And I think that's what makes this so unique, so much different than just a Super Bowl 
or a Stanley Cup and those sorts of things. And I think that that resonates when you see it, and, and TSN does such a great job of telling those stories. Um, and when you talk to the people, it's just, you know, as someone who says, yeah, I've been coming to Great Cups for 45 years, and I just, you know, I sit back and think, are you nuts? But that, it's part of the culture. And I think that, you know, it, it's a much stronger entity in this country than a lot of people give it credit for because they look in Toronto and they see 12,000 fans. Um, at games, I mean that may be the only market in this country that really that struggles. Um, but yeah, I, I, in many ways, it's it, it is the, exactly the same as it was when we were kids, but it's better in so many ways. And we're talking to Neil Lumsden, of course, uh, Canadian football uh, legend, and also uh, had a fantastic career in the CFL, and in fact won the most outstanding Canadian award in the 1981 Grey Cup. Naz, you have one more question. Yeah, Neil, I remember you back in '99, and uh, you were uh, you were doing jack of all trades when you were the general manager there. Sponsorship, you were going after all sorts of things and uh, doing a lot of duties under as the general manager. How is the state of football in Hamilton right now? Well, I think if you're you have to look at it in a couple of different ways. I think that they were blessed to have um, a fellow a gentleman by the name of Bob Young come along when he did. Um, he has put his heart and soul and and maybe even more importantly than that his pocketbook behind the franchise for a lot of different reasons um, I think that in the last couple of years they've been able to solidify in many ways though I don't think as an organization are you happy with nine and nine um, as a regular season record but at the same time does it matter the fact is you're getting a chance to compete with the in the great cup so those things get Put aside, I think that the organization has, has made a turn. I think having Ken Austin or bringing him in as head coach uh, has been a very good thing. I think that in many ways there are so many things in our marketplace that, uh, you know, white flags come up when, you know, the stadium debacle, uh, you know, when it started going. And then, the, you know, where were they going to put it? And then who was going to do it? I mean, there was just so much negative press around them. And, and what, I, what I find the most impressive especially in the last three years. And you mentioned Guelph. The University of Guelph was the Tire Cats home a year ago. Um, they've been transient. They have been a team that has had to find places to practice. They go to McMaster, their locker rooms at their offices in downtown Hamilton. Uh, they've really had to be a, a group of guys that have had to stay focused. So if anyone can deal with distractions, it's this group in Hamilton. So I, I give them uh, the players. Uh, it's always about the players. The players the most credit. I'd like to think in the business side, or I know on the business side, that they've done some wonderful things. Um, there's a lot of people that work over there. I mean, you, it, it makes the time you talk about sponsorship and, and the things that sort of I would have my fingers in, because we didn't have a large staff, but we had a staff that knew the game, knew the history of the game in Hamilton, and wanted to see it succeed. And, um, you know, now they've got all these resources. Uh, hopefully Mr. Young will start making some money with this new stadium because I don't think that's happened since he's on the club. So, Neil, unfortunately, uh, our time is uh, running a bit short here. We're going to we're gonna have to move on. And uh, listen, uh, we very much appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your stories and uh, obviously your time in Canadian college football and the CFL. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks uh, so much, Neil. It's been awesome. It'll be a great day. Thanks, Thank, thanks, thanks so much, Neil. Neil. Neil Lumsden, of course, uh, everybody remembers him from uh, his college football days, also his, his days in high school football in the Toronto area, 
and, of course, uh, his time in the CFL. That's why I'm picking Hamilton, because they haven't, haven't had a home in a year and a half, and that is very difficult for a team to do, very difficult, where you don't even have a home stadium to go to. And they did at the last half of the year this year, and they, their record was incredible. So I take the Tiger Cats over Calgary today. Anyways, we have, uh, we're going to very, very shortly, um, somebody who in this sports market needs absolutely no introduction. One of, the, one of the probably the most popular athlete ever to play in Toronto sports, um, Daryl Sittler. Um, Certainly beloved, one of the classiest gentlemen you'll ever has ever played in the NHL and in sports. And uh, we're going to go to our producer Justin. Have you got our? You've got, before we get Daryl on the line, uh, have you got our little clip lined up, Justin? And the puck is sailing down the ice. Savard and Peter Stachny back for it. takes it ahead to Lanny McDonald. To Marcel Dion to Sittler. Sittler gets by. Right in on goal. A shot. I tell you, and as I get goosebumps every time I hear that one, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Ron Rouge. I, I call that one of the four most iconic goals in Canadian hockey history. Of course, that ranks right up with there with the Henderson, Lemieux, and Crosby goals. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is certainly pleased and privileged to have with us Leaf legend Daryl Sittler. Good morning, Daryl. Morning, Sunday morning to you and your listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Certainly, uh, I've just said every time I hear that clip of your goal in the se- in the '76 Canada Cup, uh, brings back such incredible memories, um, and uh, get a get a chill down my spine every time I hear it, Daryl. Uh, yeah. Well, your recollect your recollections of that goal. I know Don Cherry takes credit for uh, for for 50 percent of that goal whenever you hear him, but uh, your recollections of that goal, Daryl. Well, first of all, it was. Uh great honors any athlete can tell you to represent your country and and uh with paul henderson uh you know coming off the 72 goal and and, and now canadians getting to know and the respect and uh appreciate the skills and talent of these european teams uh, the canada cup uh you know was pretty prominent in that uh if the top six teams in the world and and i was fortunate to play on a team that uh 19 of those players have gone on to the inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame, so it was obviously a great team. But the winning goal, uh, Scotty Bowman had a lot of confidence and faith in Lanny McDonald and Bob Ganey and I. We were kind of a line throughout the, uh, the the tournament, but Scotty was one of those guys that uh, moved players around. And whether you were a centerman, uh, he'd move you to right wing or left wing, didn't matter. And, and as a player, you didn't care either. You just wanted to be out there and contribute. So in that particular shift, I was playing left wing with Lanny, and uh, Marcel was the centerman, and and the puck had come over to me, but Zarella, the goalie, um, we had talked amongst each other in the dressing room uh, about the fact that if you get a chance coming down the wing, he's probably going to come way out of the net, so make sure you take a peek and look up, and you might have a, a deke in an open net in front of you. And what happened at the end of the regulation time going into overtime, Don Cherry was one of the assistant coaches, and he came down through the dressing room. He was up in the press box. He came down to the dressing room and he kind of walked through. Hey, you guys, you get a shot in this Zerilla chance to make sure you look up. And sure enough, that's how the goal happened. And uh, at the end of the uh, start of the media session, Don uh, made sure the reporters knew that he, uh, he and, um, <laughs> told all the guys about it before. But it's good. I mean, we had a, 
a great team, a great group of coaches, and Scotty Bowman and, and, and the likes of Don Cherry and great memories of the past from 76. So. Daryl, you hold a record that I don't think is ever going to be broken again, so you're going to be in the record books forever. Past my time, your time, everybody's time. Um, describe that 10-point evening. I saw that. Uh, I had a few guys over at my place, and I witnessed that game, and I couldn't believe that night, that Saturday night against the Bruins. Yeah, that was one of those nights. I mean, I don't know. You kind of say, how did it happen? Why did it happen? Um, but going into the that week, uh, you know, we had our, our owner, Harold Ballard, who liked to spout off from time to time, and he had mentioned to the media, I don't know, on the Wednesday or Thursday before the Saturday game, that if only he could find a, a good center to play with Lanny and Errol Thompson, you know, that would help the team. And I was actually the guy he was given the shot to because I was their centerman, you know. So then we go and we play the Boston Bruins. At any time back then when you had an original six team playing on a Saturday night and the Canadians were on the road, so it was coast-to-coast hockey night in Canada, so it was a, you know, a you know, big game for all of us. And uh, at the end of the second period, I had seven points, and I didn't know what the record was until Stan Obodiak, our statistician, came down from the press box and he came over to me and he says, Daryl, I don't even know it, but Rocket Richard had eight points in the 40s, I guess it was, and he said, if you get another one, you tie Rocket Richard's record. So that's when I knew that what the record was. Going into the third period, kind of just went out there with the same attitude. We were all happy we were winning. The energy was flowing and happened to score another three goals. And the last goal, if you recall, and I even look back at the footage sometimes of it, um, I was behind the net and I was trying to pass it out yep. to Errol Thompson in the slot and Brad Parks stuck his leg out to block the pass, redirected it through Dave Reese's legs and you know, I just put my hand up and shook my head and I couldn't believe it. But uh, in all honesty, I mean, I, I, I had 10 shots on goal that game and Obviously, it, uh, a lot of them fell onto the scoreboard, but but I felt I played other games in in that period of time where played as well or or better, and uh, you know the, the points just didn't add up. So it was one of those nights. It was magical. Um, happy to do it. I thought many times through the '80s when Wayne Gretzky was you know getting mm-hmm. 200, 250 points a year that <laughs> he would be the guy that would have a shot at breaking it, and he's had eight a couple times, but. It's a record I'm proud to hold, proud to do it in a Leaf uniform, and uh, and uh, it's, it's it's nice to uh, hold that record. And as as we watch the games today, I mean, how often, not even that it happened a lot back then, but how often do collectively two teams score 10? That's goals, true. You know, uh, it doesn't happen very often. The scores seem to be lower. The, you know, the goalies, their equipment's probably a little bigger, and uh, the, the checking side of the game is, is really... Uh, Really tight up. You don't see the player coming down the wing and taking a slap shot from the, uh, you know, the, the top of the dot there anymore. The top of the circles. The, those things don't happen because of the, the, the speed and the checking factor in the game today. Daryl, I have to uh, have to ask you. And we we've talked about this recently on the show about leadership and captaincy, and uh, we actually talked about it with Dion Phaneuf on the show a, a few weeks back. We talked about it with Phil Esposito on the show. Uh, we talked about it with Marcel Dion, and you were one of the youngest captains in Toronto Maple Leaf history at the age of 24, and probably, uh, I speak on behalf of Naz, uh, the most beloved uh, NHL uh, Toronto Maple Leaf captain. When you took on, uh, when you took on that responsibility, what, what did you think uh, or what did you expect from yourself as the captain, and, and what, is it, what were the expectations on you 
as as a captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, one thing, um, you know, if I if I look back even before I got to the Leafs, you know, and played in my minor hockey teams and and then played for the London Knights for three years, I've always believed uh, in the importance of of getting ready, preparation, and then giving your all every practice, every game, every situation, you know. And if you if you do that, you walk away. You can't you know you can't have any shame or in yourself. You know whether you won or lost or had an off game, you you came with that mentality and, and that spirit, and you're prepared. So when I got to the Leafs in the '70s, and you know, Dave Keon uh, was there. He was the captain. George Armstrong, an ex-captain. So I, I Ronnie Ellis, I had uh, good uh, role models and and uh, guys who had been there and won cups to to you know look up to and to, to kind of follow and, and watch how their work ethic was and how they handled the situation. So in 74, I guess it was when Jim Gregory and management asked me to be the captain, Ron Ellis, he was the statesman on the team. He had won cups, real gentleman, real classy guy. Um, they offered it to him before me and he said, no, Daryl's our, our captain. So the fact that Ron Ellis um, gave me the, uh, and the management of all the confidence, and then knowing as a captain that you have that support and and uh, that experience behind you uh, certainly helped me a lot. And then the Leafs drafted guys like Lanny and Tiger, and, and we had guys like Patty Boutet and Boria. So I was surrounded by a good group of uh, teammates that were leaders in themselves, and that gave, again, uh, more strength to... Um, us as a as a nucleus as a, as a, as, you, as you need, and I think that's important even in today's hockey with Dion uh, to support uh, him with guys around him, guys like Clarkson, guys that know um, what it takes to win. And when somebody's out of line a little bit, you step up and and you make them accountable, and and uh, and the guys in the dressing room know that. But uh, as a leader, it certainly makes it a lot easier uh, when the team is winning, but also when you've got teammates. Know, uh, that have that character and uh, that's what uh, Brendan Shanahan the management's trying to do there and I think you're starting to see signs of it paying off a little bit we've, we've signed a couple of experienced guys this you know Robodine and uh, a couple other guys this uh, summer uh, Komarov he comes to play every night and uh, and eventually the other guys realize that hey if I want to be a part of this I got to come with the same attitude and the same work ethic. So that's what we're trying to do there. Daryl, you had two um, prominent coaches as far as I'm concerned with the Leafs. One was Red Kelly. I was really impressed with him. And Roger Nielsen, he's, a, he's an absolute uh, great coach. And uh, it's funny, you find how many guys that are coaching in the NHL played for Roger Nielsen. There's over 100, believe it or not, that are now well, coaches in the NHL. Yeah, well, you know when you say that, I mean, <clears throat> Red Kelly um, obviously was a great player and uh, a Hall of Famer. A um, little bit of the old school as far as his coaching uh, uh, techniques and, and stuff, but Roger, he was kind of the new breed. He was the new breed coming in. And for a player like myself, it was refreshing to have a guy that made everybody on the team uh, you know, accountable. He, he made everybody feel whatever role was within the organization or even on the on the ice of the team was as important as the next guy. And Roger was a guy that, you know, if you had coaches that 
kind of ruled kind of the old uh, <clears throat> military army general sergeant uh you're a little bit of a piece of meat and you do it as i say and uh, roger was a community communicating coach with myself and the other players and he respected that yeah hockey was important and that was your job but he also respected you had a life away from hockey and family and other things and he gave you the opportunity to do those sorts of things and when he did you came to the rink knowing that uh, there was a respect there and as a captain of the team roger uh, he, he really worked with guys like myself Lanny boria tiger and the other guys, and we were successful. Yeah, we didn't win the cup, but to me, the measurement of a coach is to get the most out of the the players and the team that he is coaching that he has. And Roger did that in many uh, on many different teams throughout his career. A lot of respect for Roger. Daryl, you grew up in a in a small town, St. Jacobs, Ontario, and I always like we've had a few uh, Hall of Fa- NHL Hall of Famers interview. And the one question I always like to ask uh, when you were growing up. Uh, when did you first, uh, at what age did you first dream of playing in the NHL, and at what age did you first realize you were going to make it to the NHL? Well, I think uh, as far as I can remember back, I, uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I was like most Canadian kids, uh, grew up kind of with a hockey stick and a rink in the backyard, and uh, dad, mom giving you a pair of skates. And, and got out there and just loved playing. Couldn't get enough of it. Any time after school or spare time we had, we'd not only make our own rink and shovel it off, but I just wanted to play. So the love of the game was there from the beginning. Um, I got drafted by the London Knights. I left home when I was 16 um, uh, to go play junior in London. And I think I realized after my first second year in the summertime we would have skates and the pros that were playing in the nhl would come back to london and we would have scrimmages and and i could tell a little bit by hey this guy's in the national hockey league i could kind of see his skill set and his work ethic that hey maybe there's a chance and then obviously i was drafted uh at least in 70 we weren't drafted until your your 20 at that time and uh you know, first round pick and Obviously, honored to be drafted by the Leafs. It was nice for me growing up in St. Jacob's Kitchen, Waterloo, that I could, you know, play close to home. My mom and dad, my brothers and sisters, could see me not only on hockey night in Canada, and, and but come down to the games and and uh, live nearby. So that was pretty special. So I guess that was the time. But the reality of it was, when I got to um, uh, Toronto, my first training camp. At that time, most players had to go serve an apprenticeship down at the minors for a year or two. And uh, I was fortunate to stay up. Uh, I didn't play center. I played center and junior, but they moved me over to left wing. And then just after Christmas in my first year, early January, I shattered my wrist in about 13, 14 pieces, and I missed about three months of playing. And and then my second year coming back, it took me, well, it actually took me two years to be able to shoot the puck as hard as accurate as I could before this uh, wrist was broken. So I had some challenges, but at, uh, going back to what I had mentioned earlier, I always kept focus on the importance of preparation, doing the little things day in and day out, working on the things that you're not good at, and made myself a, a better player every day. And, and, and even you know those listening out there, if you're successful at something, uh, and don't take it for granted and think it's always going to go that way. you got to keep pushing forward to make yourself a you know, a better person, a better businessman, a better teacher, a better mom or dad. And uh, that takes a conscientious uh, approach uh, every day to, to, to do that. And that's kind of the way I live my life then and live my life today. So. 
Daryl, did you ever have aspirations of being involved with, I know you're involved with the hockey club now, but being involved as a coach or general manager, was that ever uh, a thought for you? Well, um, I got involved, uh, I retired in 85, and then, you know, my wife and my late wife, Wendy, and I, and the kids were living away from the game. And then Cliff Fletcher was hired in 91, and he gave me a call um, after his press conference and asked me if I would uh, be interested in coming back and working in the LEAF organization in whatever capacity, you know, I felt interested in. So I was assistant or, you know, to the, uh, the general manager, I guess, president at the time. And I've got to learn a little bit of the hockey business. But I also realized, like in anything, um, if you want to be good at it, you have to spend a lot of time and put a lot of effort and learn the business, right? And at that stage, still, I, I wasn't committed to it because I wanted to spend time with my kids. I missed a lot while I was playing. And uh, so I just made it kind of more of a part-time thing. And then what happened when the Leafs had uh, fired Pat Burns, um, not even sure exactly what year it was. It was towards the end of the season. Cliff came to me and asked me if I would like to coach the team the rest of the, the season. And and uh, obviously, it was an honor for him to think of me to, to put me in that position. But, but I... I'm a pretty real level-headed person, and to think, well, I don't think it would be fair to the players because I had no coaching experience. Yeah, I was a player, but um, uh, I didn't think it was was fair, and I didn't think I was ready for that. If, if I was going to be a coach, I wanted to kind of start from the bottom. I didn't even coach minor hockey, let alone junior or anything mm-hmm. else, so I declined that offer. But uh, And the other thing, uh, I mentioned earlier about having a passion for hockey. I believe if you don't really have a love and a passion to do something, uh, which I didn't have for coaching, then then you're not going to less chance of being successful. So I, I kind of stayed away from that and more on the business side of things. I'm really pleased and honored to be a part of MLSC organization with Wendell. We're ambassadors to do community relations things. Obviously, we got some great corporate partners uh, and. Um, we're out there in the public doing things for, for MLSE, and I'm still connected with uh, the hockey fans and the hockey business. We're talking to Daryl Sittler. Daryl, we've just got a few minutes left, and we have to ask you, uh, or um, first of all, congratulations on your induction into Legends Row down at, down at the ACC, certainly well-deserved. And uh, uh, being uh, seeing yourself there uh, in Immortalized, uh, tell us your thoughts on that. What did it mean to you that, that day? Well, it was pretty, uh, pretty nice. It was back in July. Uh, Brendan Shanahan, the new president of Leaf Organization, had contacted myself and uh, Johnny Bauer and Peter Kennedy's son, uh, Mark, to come down for a meeting. And that's when he um, informed us that we were selected through a, a historical committee to be the first three to have our, you know, our likenesses. Uh, in a statue form, and uh, obviously it was very, very special. To think of all the number of great Leaf players that have played history of the Leafs over the last, I guess, 97 years we've been in in the league, uh, to be one of the first three was pretty, pretty special. And I, I look back to the evening uh, uh, in 2003 when they honored me by putting my banner up, and and uh, that was one of the greatest memories and moments of my hockey career, Um because my wife Wendy had passed away just before that, and and I asked the Leaf organization to if they would be respectful and, and let me allow me to put her name on the banner, which they did. So 
That was a special evening. There wasn't a dry eye in the place or across Canada. It was against the Montreal Canadiens, a Saturday night game, but that was a great moment. And, and obviously to have your, your statue unveiled uh, a number of years later, that will be there forever for fans to see when they come outside of uh, uh, you know the Air Canada Centre, they come in from outside of town, um, uh, there's a, a place for them to to uh, maybe get a picture and uh, and obviously come and see the statues. And I look forward to the next few years. I mean, Borja is the next uh, guy we're going to unveil in September, and, and uh, eventually there'll probably be nine or ten guys. So to be a part of that is pretty special, uh, and especially the great history and the tradition that uh, Leafs have and continue to have moving forward. We just got to keep uh, working towards putting a... a a team in the playoffs to keep our, you know, our hopes alive, and then see what happens after that. But uh, it's been a dry run here, but but the Leaf fans keep uh, being supportive and uh, and there when uh, even though we go through some tough times, we owe them some good times ahead. Uh, we're talking to Daryl Sittler. Daryl, one just one last quick question. Uh, <clears throat> I do know you have a website, DarylSittler.ca, and uh, you also have a career as uh, as a public speaker and a motivational speaker and. Uh, uh, if people wanted to check that out, they could check you out your website. But you're in 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 uh, in one minute or less. What is the when you go out and do your talks and give your uh, inspire people? What's what's your message? What can what do you, what do you want to tell our listeners? Well, I, I share some experiences that made a difference away from the game, not the hockey stuff. I tell a few humorous stories and those sorts of things. But the you know my relationship with Terry Fox, uh, Ronald McDonald House, my wife died of colon cancer, and we're we're out there getting the message out to encourage people to to get tested. And uh, uh, the bottom line is what I say is there's opportunities in front of all of us all the time, and it doesn't have to be the magnitude of a Terry Fox or Daryl Silver, but if you recognize them and you get involved and you try to help and make a difference, uh, that's important. If you sit on the sidelines and let it pass by and do nothing, there's probably a good chance nothing's going to happen. So uh, I know when I've stepped up and, and got involved in different things, it comes back to you in different ways that are very satisfying, rewarding to know that you've, uh, you know, you've had the opportunity, you have made a difference, and. Uh, and to me, that's the most important. The goals and assists and the, the money you make in salaries, those things are nice, but it's all those rewarding opportunities that uh, um, that were in front of me that I feel most proud of uh, to try to make a difference in other people's lives. Daryl, uh, our time has come short. We, on behalf of NAS, I really want to thank you. It's been a distinct pleasure and privilege to have you on the NAS and Wally Sports Hour this Sunday morning. Thank you for so much for taking the time. Uh, for us, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much, and uh, okay. hope to see you soon. Thanks, yeah, Daryl. Thanks for having me on. We'll do it again sometime. Yeah. I appreciate it, Daryl. Thanks so much. Okay. Have a good day. Thanks. Daryl Sittler, Leaf legend. Anyways, before we go to break, we'll be back right after the break with uh, with your calls. We'll take some calls. Our phone number is 416 Four seven four zero, and we do want to announce at this time that uh, we're giving away our Scruples uh, Salon and Spa gift coupon, a hundred dollars. Uh, score some points with that special someone. It's been a hot item on the last few shows. We've been getting a lot of calls for these items. Gift card to Scruples Salon and Spa, uh, two locations, one in Woodbridge, one in Pickering. Please give us a call on that number four one six three six zero. 
740 We'll be giving it away to the second caller, and we'll also be taking your calls to talk about sports right after the break. Talk to you soon. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just $13.99, that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steels Paint, 4190 Steels Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Sports Hour. Uh, Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, we're in our call-in segment. Please give us a call at 416 416- Three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. Give us a call to claim that one hundred dollar gift certificate at Scruples Salon and Spa. Interesting week in Leafland. As you back on the bandwagon, of course. I never <laughs> went off of it. Well, things Surely look fed. things look a little bit dicey uh, the week before with uh, the salute uh, gate and. Uh, the media jumping all over them, but things seem to have quieted down this week. Uh, Leafs are currently in uh, in a wild card spot in, in in the in the Eastern Conference. 
So they've turned it around a bit. Uh, performances have been a little bit better. They're in the middle of a home stand. So if they can run off a few here, they uh, might be placing themselves in a good spot. What's the difference? Uh, the difference is they, they look like they're playing harder at home. And I think that uh, the salute or the lack of salute to the fans has put them in a situation, as Don Cherry pointed out last week, that they better try, they better work their butts off at home because if they don't, they're going to get, they're going to get it. And uh, they are working their butts off at home, and they're they're playing, they're playing decent hockey. They're scoring goals, you know, they're scoring a lot of goals lately. Interesting statistic: Tyler Bozak now has 11 goals, tied with Phil Kessel. Can we now consider him a number one center? Grudgingly, <laughs> yeah, you got, you have to consider him a number one center now. Uh, his play has really improved in the last year, and he's got be- he has better finish around the net now. That's the difference. Before he wasn't finishing, now he's finishing. If you see him going on breakaways or even in, in the shootouts, he almost always scores. Like it, the puck goes in the net, and as they say, uh, the he's, puck, he's played he's played well. As they say, the puck seems to be following him around. Once again, our numbers give us a call four one six three six zero zero seven four zero. One eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. And as you uh, before the show, you made an interesting comment uh, uh, with respect to Elliot Friedman and some comments he made about Dion Phaneuf. Uh, seems to be lining up in uh, in the Dion Phaneuf camp, or certainly complimenting him. And we, you know, we talked to Daryl Sittler about leadership, and he pointed out about Dion Phaneuf too. So I mean. I mean, it sounds to me like he is doing his job in the in the dressing room, and uh, hopefully it continues. And uh, doing his job, what do you what do you feel that uh, that uh, well, it well, seems he might like, be doing a little bit differently? Well, it looks to me like he has the control of the team, which I never thought he did. But it looks to me like he di- he does have control of that team, and that's a good thing. That's a good sign, and that's a good sign of a captain. And uh, hopefully it continues. And the Leafs are the Leafs are a high scoring team. They've got some talent. Like we've always said, their higher upper end talent is very very good, and we've always said that. And now we've got this goaltending thing straightened out. That Bernier's going to they're going to run with Bernier, and they should because there's no team in the NHL that has two goalies that play half and half, right? And uh, half the games are sixty uh, percent of the games. It's a definite number one and a definite number two, and that's the uh, that's the way. Uh, it should be. Bernier should get the ball, have the uh, net, and go with it. And uh, you, we have the announcer of the uh, Scruples uh, $100 gift certificate. Do you want to announce that, Naz? It's uh, Judy Watson from Etobicoke, Ontario. Watkins, sorry. Ju- Judy Watkins from Etobicoke, Ontario won the prize. Good for her. Congratulations. Uh, I certainly enjoy that. Uh, a sad day in, uh, in the NHL uh, this week, Naz, the passing of Pat Quinn. Um, certainly, um, a beloved, I would say, I would say he was a beloved coach in, in Toronto. He had some, he had some fantastic years here, had some, had some great years in Vancouver. Of course, the coach of the 2002, uh, Canada Olympic gold medal team. And that was an important team because that was the first time that, um, that we, uh, brought the gold medal back in 50 years. So, uh, uh, sad to see Pat Quinn. Anyways, we have on the line, George. George from Oakville. Uh, Justin, can you put that call through? 
George, are you yeah, with good us? Good morning. Hi, guys. Great show. Thank you so much. What's your uh, What's your comment to your question today, I George? I got a question here. Say uh NHL hockey player signed a couple summers ago, and he gets injured the following season. He's gone for the year, say, concussion. What kind of clause is in the contract? Uh, how much money does he get paid for not playing? Oh, he gets he gets paid his full salary for not playing, and also it does go towards the cap. Uh, Savard from Boston has been in that situation for Mark, a period. Mark Savard. Mark Savard, yeah, he had uh, concussions, and uh, he's in that situation. And Pronger is also the only time they don't get their salary. The only time they don't get their salary is when they retire, and the players aren't going to retire until because they won't that's get their an interesting, money. That's an interesting point, uh, Naz. Um, uh, I understood that uh, they get paid. I mean, of course, they're going to get paid their, their salary because they got hurt. And then, uh, you know, there may be some insurance issues between the team and the insurance company or whatever. But uh, but does it continue to count against the salary cap through the – like if you have a seven-year contract, let's say D- uh, David Clarkson gets hurt and he can't play hockey anymore. Does the entire five and a half million go well, against it, the cap for the next on, five it, years? It goes on the books for sure. I'd have to check that out, but it goes on the books for sure because Pronger still, I believe, was was on the books until he took the NHL job, and he may still be on the books. But they do definitely get paid for sure. Oh, they get paid for sure. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, you got hurt, and uh, you know, you're going to get paid. You don't you don't stop getting paid just because just because you get hurt. But that's an an interesting question. I'm going to further pursue. Uh, maybe we get Josh. Uh, Josh Cooper, our, uh, our intern here. We've got to get you to work this week, Josh. Uh, so let's dig that one up for us so we can give George, uh, give a George an answer to that question. Anyways, thanks. George from Oakville called us in. Thanks so much for your call. We really appreciate it. And our time has run out for this edition of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, it was a fascinating show. Neil Lumsden talking about the CFL and the Grey Cup. And, of course, Leaf living legend Daryl Sittler. Uh, Naz and I wish our listeners a fantastic week, and we'll be back here again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.